Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What these young bloods have to understand that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. Glad to be back with you on this Monday. And this is your Monday Best Bets episode in the National Basketball Association, as well as our weekend recap and our futures look with the future Jays. we got Joe Delera and Jim Turvey. You can find them on Twitter and in the Action Network app, which is, by the way, the best way for you to track your picks, get all sorts of cool signals like where the money's moving stuff, and you get to find system plays. There's all sorts of cool stuff. Check it out on the Action Network app. You can also find a copy of the show, a version of the show, a live version, or a video version, not a live version, a video version of the show on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash the Action Network, and you can catch all of our great video content. we got so much cool stuff. We have really, really fun shows. Just go check them out at youtube.com slash the Action Network. Put it up with some earpods in while you're at work on a second screen. It's a lot of fun. Go do that right now. Uh, as I said, we'll get to all sorts of stuff in the association tonight. We'll start with our best bets for Monday. And then later on, we're going to talk about defensive player of the year and most improved. We do a little check-in on the futures market. Let's go ahead and start with best bets, boys. Let's get started on the Monday slate. Joe Delera, what are your best bets for Monday? It wouldn't be a Monday if I wasn't betting on the Minnesota Timberwolves. So give me the Wolves minus one and Chet Holmgren over two and a half blocks. All right. I just got to watch and chat. I'm going to be writing about the Thunder on Monday for a piece I'll go up on action. Uh, I was in the building for Nuggets Thunder the other night. Uh, I think the Thunder have arrived. That was a that was a, a very big game in my mind. And so uh, very excited to see how Chet does in that game versus the Memphis Grizzlies. We'll talk more about that game later. Uh, Wolves right now are a one-point favorite. This did open three and is moving. We'll talk about that line movement. It's also all over the board in terms of where uh, it's at. We'll talk about the market on that in a second. Jim Turvey, what are your best bets for Monday? Yeah, I've got Rockets plus five and a half. Uh, and I've got the Clippers first quarter. There's no official spread out right now, but I'm thinking I'm going to like them for the game. One big factor, obviously, is if Tyrese Halliburton's going to play. So I'll talk through that a little bit, but uh, especially that first quarter for the Clippers is is where I'll be looking. Okay, I have a, a number of them. I've been hot lately. If you go ahead and go in the Action Network app and check out my last couple of weeks, I've been having a really good run on NBA because, well, the numbers have stabilized, and so the model is doing well lately. So I'm going to make hay while the sun is high. Uh, I've got Sixers minus 10.5 over 229 Bulls Sixers. I will be doing a same-game parlay with, yep, you guessed it, Joel Embiid to beat the ever-loving shit out of Nikola Vucevic uh, with some sort of alt play on his points as well as uh, the Sixers to cover that number. I've got the Lakers minus 4.5 versus the New York Knicks. Sorry, boys. Uh, I've got the Detroit Pistons. That's the one, Jim. 
The Detroit Pistons <laughs> money line plus 400. Oh, it baby. happens on Monday. That's oh, that to, 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 to crib a line from the favorites. That is your big balls bet of the week. So, uh, yeah, I'm on the Pistons money line. No way this goes badly. I was also on the Pistons versus the Bucks on Saturday. That did not go as well. Um, I've also, by the way, got the over. By the way, the one bet I like more than any other is the over 231.5 in Nets Jazz. That's the one I, I like the best of all my, my best bets. But I am making Pistons money line a best bet. Um, let's start. I want to start with the Wolves game because I immediately, when we were doing, we start chatting in Slack on Sundays in advance of our show, talk about what we want to talk about, when we're going to record. And I mentioned, like, I just threw in there, what the hell is this Wolves line? And Joe went, what the fuck? Like, Joe was like, oh, my God, what is this line? Um, and we kind of talked it through. And it's like, oh, Bam's now being upgraded, and he's going to come back. And Tyler Hero is going to be back. And so, like, that that's probably it. And there's, like, an interesting distinction between the three of us, which I think is best distilled by, like, we're on a scale. It's like Goldilocks. Where Joe is like, what is this? The Wolves are awesome. The Heat are mid. This is a completely garbage line. Um, I am like, well, I get that you have to upgrade the Heat substantially, but the Wolves have been so good. I kind of need to put them in like they should still be significantly higher favorites than they are right now. And then Jim has kind of expressed as this accurate, Jim, that you kind of feel like the number is not way off, if not accurate and on point in general, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, Joe, give me the cap on why you like the Wolves here beyond Wolves good, Heat mid. I mean, look, I, I think that it, the line is like a little bit of an overreaction to having Bam and Tyler Hero back. Like both of them are obviously yep. important. There's still no news on whether or not they're going to have a minutes limit or not, which I think is entirely relevant, right? So like Bam hasn't played in really like eight games and Tyler Hero hasn't played since November 8th. So we we really haven't seen this, this team like together. Um, we're not really sure how many minutes they're going to play. Hero was playing almost 40 minutes a game like when he started the season like I don't see a circumstance where he's going to play 30 the 37.7 minutes he was averaging so far through those like full seven games that he played um so obviously like his return is meaningful it's impactful um he's probably their best offensive weapon just flat out uh but I just don't think that it's necessarily enough again especially against this minnesota team who's so elite defensively like if you're coming back and you're trying to find your footing Jaden mcdaniels and the minnesota timberwolves not a great combination for you um and same thing even for bam like this is a, i think this is a tough spot even for bam against rudy gobert carl anthony towns like this is not just a matchup where he can come in come back in and dominate so i understand where we see i think that yeah maybe they are worth like two points collectively to the spread and you see it move from like three to one or so to speak but i i still just think that this line is short i think that minnesota even as a road favorite should be able to take care of business here uh, they've been better in every aspect over the course of the entire season. And even over the last couple of weeks, they've just been dominating. Uh, they're five and one over the last uh, or four and one rather over the last two weeks, plus 13.1 in terms of their net rating. Uh, and if we look over the course of the entire season, Minnesota is significantly better than Miami. Obviously, like I said, Miami's returning some key pieces, but those pieces all have to gel. We have to see how that kind of fits together. I don't, I don't think that this is going to necessarily just be like, we're going to hit the ground running if you're Miami, bringing back a guy who relies so heavily on like his offensive side of the game. And then Bam, is I think it's just a tough matchup for him coming back into this. 
Okay, so there's a lot to kind of get to here. Um, I think you have to upgrade them. One of the things that's interesting is they weren't necessarily playing very well before Tyler got hurt. And yeah. Miami fans are pretty sensitive about this if you bring it up, as they tend to be about Tyler. They just get very sensitive on the subject. Um, the confusion happens when I think that people ascribe it to player, like, is a player good or not? Okay. The Heat are playing better without Tyler Hero because of how they're playing. The guys that are playing together and the way those guys are playing is better than it was with Tyler. That doesn't mean that Tyler's not valuable. That doesn't mean that Tyler's not good. He's an NBA player making like $30 million a year. He's pretty good at basketball, but there's a little bit of a gap there. The BAM thing I think is much bigger where they were a really good team with BAM there for a little bit. Yeah. And BAM got hurt and they fell off completely. So, Jim, I gave them a three-point upgrade on this. One of the problems is that they've actually been one of the worst teams in the league at home this season in terms of like their overall impact. But that's been, I think, a really rough one. Um, I will agree that this number stinks. Like it, I get really, how can I put this? I get, I, I think that, that sometimes we talk about like this line stinks as if there's some sort of shenanigans that are up there. I don't think, especially in the NBA. I don't think that they're laying a trap for betters on a Monday night in December. That's just not how this works, right? But there's clearly a, a vast differential between where the books have Minnesota and Miami power rated and like our perception of where those two teams are. Would you agree? Yeah, I definitely think so. And I, I, I think you you said it well. I think I think the the much bigger point here is is Bam coming back. Joe said something, you know, like the two being combined to be worth about two points. Uh, I, I have it around two, two and a half, but I that's like 90% from Bam and 10% yeah. from Tyler. And again, it's like you said, it's not, you know, a, necessarily a slate at times. It's in part because of their style of play, their backups, um, how they impact just how the Heat can approach a game. Um, so I, yeah, I, I do think this number is right about right. And in part because the Wolves right now do have Anthony Edwards and Jane McDaniels are question, both questionable for this game. So I think if you want to be on it, it's not bad to grab it now because it's more likely to move towards the Wolves. Um, you know, those players for the Heat have been ruled available. You got to love the Heat uh, injury report, always keeping you on your toes with funky terminologies that don't really match the rest of the league. Um, but so if you're thinking those guys are going to play and then, you know, in theory, if Ant or McDaniels are moved in, it should move a little bit more towards the Timberwolves. But I have the Wolves at around, you know, plus six, plus five and a half or six with with everyone in fully healthy. But I also I have the heat around, you know, two, two and a half with all these guys back now. So if we go, you know, in Miami, which you said hasn't been a great home court, which is fair. So maybe that's not worth the full two and a half points. It ends up settling right in the zone around to pick them. But I do agree 100 percent. This is one of those games where if you kind of zoom out and do like a big picture, like, let me not think about this, the number. Let me not, you know, do adjusted net ratings and stuff. Let me just think who is the better basketball team. Minnesota is the much better basketball team right now. Miami has not had much of a home court. You know, these are the type of games where I will typically stay away unless someone smart like Joe is all over the wolves. And I'm like, you know what? You know, I I'm a, I I can get there if I if I zoom out and I really kind of like, you know, don't get as into the numbers. I'm just like, let me just think about this. Minnesota better than Miami. All right, let's let's do it. So um, I think I, I'm going to wait on the injury news. I'll probably you know take the cowards route there. But if if Ant and and McDaniel's and almost to a certain degree, I think I think Ant will move the spread the right amount, whereas McDaniel's might not move it enough. So like if Ant's out, 
and it moves to a full pick em, but then McDaniels gets ruled in and it's, you know, still Wolves, either it's like pick em or minus one. I think that might be like my favorite of the options. I love yeah. Ant, but, you know, the market knows how good he is, whereas Jim McDaniels is, is kind of a harder guy to adjust for. So I, I think that's how I'm looking at that game um, in general. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, say, if you take out Jaden and Ant, now I'm like, okay, maybe this line is pretty close to what I've got. Like, then I'm like, all right, I can maybe see that. Yeah. But if they play, it's going the other way. Now, I will say, uh, this is a great example of, I think it's an interesting question that, that betters have to face. And I love talking about these type of things, which is, okay, um, I have it way off. I have it way off this number because I have it I have a, like Wolves minus six. That's after a three-point upgrade I've given to the Miami Heat's power rating with getting Bam and Jimmy and, and Tyra back. I'll give them three, three full points. That's how much respect I have for like the full strength heat okay three full points i still have this wolves in part because right now i've got like a negative home court advantage for the heat because that's how they've been they're three and nine against the spread at home this season they are two and five against the spread with bam Adebayo at home this season so it's been bad so i have this like i'm way off this number and i do think that a lot of times if you have a number you should trust it because your model is showing something like your model projection whatever word you want to use is revealing something that you believe in through how you've applied the numbers that the market is not reflecting. However, I also think that we bet enough over the course of the season. This is one of those where I'm like, this doesn't make sense to me, so I'm going to let the pitch sail by (laughs) because that's how much it doesn't make sense to me versus like, I like Joe's approach, which is Joe's like, this number's fucking stupid. I'm betting the wolves. They're way better. Um, and there's like a lot of reasons. And if you talk about this from a tactical matchup, Miami, their offense is better this season than it was last year. But it can bog down at times. There is no better team in the league at bogging you down than Minnesota. They're so good on that on, on yeah. that end. Um, so, Joe, like, I think it's a fascinating question. I'm rooting for you. I'm going to stay away from my own well-being. Um, but I do think like, it's a fascinating question of how do you deal with it when you're just like, what is this line? Yeah, I mean, look, like these two these two teams even played earlier in the season when Hero was available and the Wolves took care of business. The Wolves won at home 106 to 90. So I mean, like it I, I think that I try to look at as much data as I can and like try to take in as much information as possible. So like to answer your question, you know, it's like when I see a line that's things I think sometimes like you're right, like you it is better to just like take a step back and say like I don't understand this, but like if you can't pinpoint the data, like sometimes like when I start digging in, then like I'll find some angles where I'm saying like, "Oh, like okay, like maybe this is why, like maybe it's the rebounding battle or maybe it's the transition lately or like whatever." Um or maybe that like I expect to see like one team to shoot better than the other team so sometimes there's some things for like regression there right uh so that'll kind of give me pause but in a spot like this i i've kind of i've dove into the numbers i i can't get there like at all where this number should be really where it is yeah. like and i trust obviously what you say i trust what jim says um and i'm and i'm watching what's happening with the market of it but i i can't get there especially when i look back at the priors earlier in the season um the timberwolves didn't have mcdaniels then i look at the numbers now and i'm seeing like how this is kind of unfolding even what Miami can bring like stylistically to this matchup, I don't love against Minnesota just because Minnesota is not only are they so good at defending like everything right now, but the shot that they kind of are allowing is that mid-range shot. And then they don't, it's it's not even a good shot to take against them because you have a guy like Gobert on the interior. So I, I really just think that the way you have to look at it is try to take as much information as you can, try to 
take other people's opinions into consideration and like what their cap is. But at the end of the day, it's your money. You're the one laying it down. So if you believe in this, then like, you know, trust your gut to a certain degree and trust your model, your analysis and your understanding of the game and of what your cap is. Love that. That was great stuff. Should note, this opened at a pretty non-sharp low limit book at three, and then it opened up most of the others, especially um, the more influential books, it opened at one. There's now, Miami's still taking money. There's a minus one on Miami. Like, there's a Wolves plus money right now in the market wow. um, on Moneyline. So, you know, it's tight. It's We'll see what the, what the overnight does, but um, that's the analysis on Wolves versus Heat. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, Jim, let's go to one of yours. Let's go to Houston plus five and a half tomorrow, uh, taking on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Houston, as we record this, are finishing up a game versus the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, there are fives in the market. There are fives and a half in the, in the market. Uh, why do you like Houston versus the Cleveland Cavaliers? We got a very surprising to me win versus the Hawks, who were in a bad rest spot. The other night, um, they are without Darius Garland and Evan Mobley. Both are out several weeks with injury. The Cavs' heads are falling off, essentially. Um, and yet, they are laying five and a half. Why do you like Houston here? Yeah, this is another one that the line kind of surprised me. This opened at four and a half. And actually, seeing Cleveland taking money to the point that I, you know, right before we got on, I was like, oh, did, did someone get hurt in the Houston game? Because it, it surprised me so much to see the the line moving towards Cleveland. But I'm, I'm going to be content with it and i'm going to stick with you know like joe said stick with the with, with how i got there and and you know the market doesn't always move directionally the the right way so we'll we'll see about that but um I, the big thing is the no mobile in garland um they the, the cleveland hasn't looked all of that good they, they did beat the hawks in the last game out we know how the hawks have looked um of late you know um working on a piece right now talking about how key jalen johnson has been for them another game without him another l they're really starting to rack up losses on there in atlanta but to me, this is also a Houston play. Houston is the the second best team um, by spread differential in the last two weeks on cleaning the glass. They, they're back to that top defense, a top defense of the last two weeks. Um, you know, Shingun has really emerged as that star level player. Um, you know, we'll, we'll probably talk about him later when we when we look at some futures. But I think it's kind of the depth in Houston that that is really improve this team so much from year to year. I think that and, and coaching as well, but they now have, you know, they can go, they can roll 10 deep. Tari Eason is like going to make hipster NBA Twitter implode with his bench performances. Cause he's just like the, you know, one of those guys off the bench. that's so impactful and like really, you know, can stabilize a bench unit. And that's a big thing. Cleveland's bench unit has been heinous this year. One of the worst benches um, in the league. If you, if you go by, you know, th- there's some noise to this because of injuries and stuff, but if you go by bench net rating, Houston has the fourth best net rating from their bench this year. Cleveland has the 27th best. So, you know, this could be one of those games that starts off, you know, a little bit. It, it's close in the first quarter, um, you know, to that like four minute mark when you tend to see the subs start to roll in. Um, and then you see Houston maybe even start to to pull away. Um, I don't hate a money line look at this as well. Um, you know, 
I, I really think that, you know, that, that Cavs bench that has held them back, now two of them are in the starting lineup. And, you know, the, those two guys are now being replaced further down the line with two more guys who couldn't even crack the rotation before. So this is a team that really wasn't in a great position to, to handle um, injuries. They don't have great depth to start with. Um, so add that with, you know, the factor of Houston having that depth, having that star level talent at the top in, in Shingun, who, you know, I, I think name recognition wise is no Donovan Mitchell, but production wise has been, you know, just about his peer this season. Um, and I really like the the Rockets here, even even on the second night of a back to back. Yeah, um, you know, I'll say this one, I definitely have it projected. Um, I'm in line with you. Like I, I like the number in this spot on the Rockets, um, as I've got this a pick them. That's where I, I come out on this. The back-to-back is one that I don't necessarily know if I want to mess with, uh, just primarily based off of, one, I want to see what Cleveland looks like here. They didn't play well early this season without Garland, and they were missing Mobley there for a little bit, and it was pretty rough. And we were like, well, when they get Garland and Mobley back, and now they're back out again. I just want to wait where it's a wonky spot of Rockets on a back-to-back after playing a very physical team in Milwaukee. Um, it's a short flight, and so that's good. Like, low travel spot here on a back-to-back. That's pretty. That's a very easy back-to-back spot. I just, um, I think for me, it's more a matter of I don't know what Cleveland is, and so I don't want to bet it, but I do think that Houston in general, their entire kind of, if we talk about their win profile, it's, they're tough. <laughs> like, they're tough. And so... I want tough teams in spots of adversity. And this is a spot of adversity with them playing on the road versus a team that's still trying to figure stuff out. Um, so I don't hate the play at all. Uh, I think it's pretty good. Let's do one of mine. Uh, Lakers minus four and a half versus the Knicks. So uh-huh. some of the trends that I track here, like <laughs> New York in particular, the Knicks after a loss have been very good against the spread. And the Knicks are one of the teams that does very well against low three point volume teams. However, the Lakers are starting to evolve outside of being one of those low three-point teams like they're going they're starting to shoot more threes and make them at a higher clip because they're getting guys back to allow them to have the proper spacing the Knicks played the Suns on Saturday night with an absolute or Friday night Friday night with an absolutely phenomenal performance from Jalen Brunson 50 points what a game Joe Delara was hype it was like an absolutely <laughs> incredible awesome. performance yeah it was so cool yeah what did they do after that joe what what happens after you're on in in phoenix and you have a game on, in la what do you do on a friday night what do you fly there that's what you're you prob- do you probably you fly, have a great time you, <laughs> you fly to la on a short flight and then you have friday night and saturday night and then sunday in la yeah i'm hoping LA nightlife the- is undefeated I'm hoping that they're like me and they go out on the Friday night and then they're just like deceased on the Saturday so that they couldn't have gone out on Saturday night and so, they're rested by, you know. If I miss this, that's going to be my excuse as well. They had Sunday off. So clearly they just actually just like had, you know, they, they got some liquid IVs and, and and went to the spa on Sunday and got themselves exactly. taken care of and didn't go back out. But I don't trust NBA players. Uh, look, this is also a model play. The Lakers are six points above average league home court advantage this season. They've been dominant at home. This is four and a half. And yes, it's above the key number of four that I talk about with where teams will let it go. But this is low enough for me with what I've got this projected at that I will go ahead and lay the points. I think the Lakers are going to... Uh, this is a letdown spot after the Suns game um, versus a Lakers team that 
pretty much took off the weekend in in or the weekend San Antonio. Like AD sat out one game, LeBron sat out, and now they're coming back home and they're going to re-engage. So I think they re-engage in this game versus the Knicks in what's a bigger like oh we got to get up. It's the Knicks. It's always exciting to play those types of teams. It shouldn't be, but it is. So I think the Lakers uh, win here. I don't. No, I I would lay any number this gets to. I would lay it with the Lakers. Jim, do you have thoughts on that? Cap. Yeah, I I this it's actually it's pretty funny. I have almost the same logic that you had on being intrigued, but maybe not fully getting there on on the Cavs play because this Knicks team has now been without Mitchell Robinson for um, the yeah. last four games, I believe. And but they've been weird games, and I haven't been able to get a feel. I think when when Mitch went out, I know. I was, and I think I think the consensus kind of was, is like, this is a guy who they're really going to miss. They're going to miss him on offense because of the, the second chance opportunities he opens up for an offense that can really get pretty stagnant at times. You talked about how amazing Brunson's performance was. It was amazing, but he also, if he's repeating nine for nine from beyond the arc, yeah, you, you, t- you tip your cap and you're losing that game. That's not going to happen often. Um, so I want to, you know, they have an ugly loss to the Jazz in there. Um, and this this Lakers team is one that absolutely eats in the paint. Uh, and like you said, and, and now they're, the Knicks are without Mitchell Robinson, who you point out that the Knicks usually do well against the teams that are, you know, kind of paint-centric. I think that's large part due to how well Mitchell Robinson is usually yeah. there protecting the rim. Now they don't have that. That's going to be a huge factor against the Lakers um, on Monday. So I'm I'm very intrigued by this. I but but at the same time, this Knicks offense has actually at times looked kind of good and maybe a little bit more free and open. So I, I, I this is a game I want to see. I, I I thought I would get a quick read on Mitchell being out and uh, uh, Mitchell Robinson being out and kind of how that impacted the Knicks, but it has not been consistent so far. So I I'm sitting out one more game to see more data on on the, how the Knicks are without him. I'll also say if you're going to miss your center, you want to miss it versus the Suns, and you don't want to miss it versus the exactly. Lakers. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. This this I'll, is rough. Yeah. Also, I'll say um, this is definitely not a play like the number backs me up here. If the number was the other way, I'd stay away from it. I've got like I usually just tend to go with I'm always at, I'm always following. What does my projection say? What is the spot and what is the trend? The trends are actually on New York as far as like this matchup, as far as the stuff that I track here. But I love the spot and I love the number. So I'm going to go ahead and lay it with the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, this seems pretty easy. Joe to take Chet over two and a half blocks, given that he had fucking nine of them versus the Nuggets. Uh, I was at that. Like it was, it was incredible. Like it was the best part of all of it was that post game. Chet said, you know, Jamal Murray dunked on me in the first quarter. I would have had 10 motherfucker was pissed about not getting 10. (laughs) I love Chet. Love this team. It's absolutely incredible. Um, Give me the cap on Chet over two and a half blocks. I don't, not going to need a lot here to get on board, uh, but go ahead and give me the cap. I mean, look, he's over this in seven of his last 10 games. And when we look at this matchup, when we look at this matchup specifically against the Memphis Grizzlies uh, in terms of totals, like blocks allowed, they're third in opponent blocks allowed per game or like for the season uh, overall. And they're actually second on a per game basis, second per hundred possessions, like everything. Right. So the thing is with Memphis, they, they kind of drive into the paint, um, but 
they're not they haven't really been that successful their offense is literally one of the worst in it is the worst in the nba right now so um they definitely can't wait to get john morant back but i think that this is just a good opportunity for chet against like a jaron jackson jr um against desmond bain that wants to try to get into the paint uh I, i think it's a great spot at two and a half just given the history given what he's doing and we're not really seeing any juice on this line uh the line is sitting at minus 125 right now i think that's it's definitely a spot that you just have to take uh given you know the performance especially recently he's just looked like an absolute phenom uh blocking shots lately so i'll I'll back him off the nine block game okay um i will say i'm gonna go ahead and have okc here minus nine and a half as well in part i kind of think this is an interesting spot because jaw comes back next game versus the pelicans so Mm -hmm. this is like the 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 last game before you get jaw back i think that's kind of like an interesting spot I have the Thunder as like substantial favorites here because the Grizzlies I still have projected as one of the worst teams in the league. They've been better lately, but still one of the Terrible, worst. Yeah. And OKC is a, is a destroyer of worlds. And so um, I, I almost have to play it here based off of the number. I also kind of like the spots. I'm going to lay the nine and a half. Jim, is there any reason not to take Chet over two and a half blocks? Is like, is there any is there any sort of argument that Chet's not going to get two and a half blocks in this game? <laughs> no, and I'll uh, I'll save some of our Chet talk because I, I think uh i don't think we can quite get there but i think i think we'll maybe at least be mentioning his his name um in a few minutes so ah, i'll save some ah. i'll save some thoughts the joe engel six man of the year from brandon anderson i love these bets <laughs> love this, that sweet clv you can't eat um <laughs> I, I will run through a few of mine real quick over 229 bull sixers is just a number play um the sixers by the way at home are eight and four to the over Bulls offense has been much better lately. They're a worst offensive team, but Kobe White's been absolutely balling. But the Sixers pretty much put up a big number on everyone. They're the most dominant team in the league. So 229 here, I think, is pitifully low. I'll go ahead and lay it. Um, It's going to or put the over on it. I don't for me, this is if I get bit here, it's because the Sixers have a random off night and I'm willing to bet that they're not since they have so few of them. I'm also going to lay this the 10 and a half with the Sixers versus the Bulls. Um, I do have this projected over as I have the Sixers the best or second best team in the Eastern Conference right now behind the, the Celtics. Um, they are ahead of them in, in a lot of categories. Um, also, Joel Embiid just absolutely lives to destroy Vooch. Like he just he loves this matchup. This is one that he absolutely lives for. Uh, Joe, I'm honestly a little surprised, buddy, that you're not that you weren't like, let's do Embiid over 30 and a half. Let's do Embiid over. Like, I'm surprised that 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 this is not part of of your package tonight for best bets. He's he's been so good. Like, it just honestly, it's this is going to sound insane. Vooch is going to be the toughest defender that he's faced in the last like two weeks. <laughs> so, like, so I I think I'm just going to lay off a little bit. I think the number the numbers just gotten like so insane. I like I think he's going to do it. Like. I can't even I think his first quarter line the last games were like 11 and a half points in the first quarter and he's hitting it like it, the dude is just playing on another level right now I, I mean granted part of it's the schedule but I mean I, I think he's he's gonna rack Vooch it's gonna be bad one of the things that's disappointing is that very few books will allow you to same game parlay first half points and this yeah. is really annoying because my concern like I'm going to do a same game parlay with um, with Embiid's points here. But the problem is that Embiid may not play in the fourth quarter. And so I pretty much have to do like in the market, there's a minus 650 on 25 and there's a minus two. Him to score 30 points in this game is minus 250. (laughs) 
It's insane. That's insane. The one the one thing I will say is that Embiid's first quarter has been really good and in part because he plays the whole first quarter. So he plays the whole first quarter every game, gets the full 12-minute rotation. I think if you do want to back Embiid, you want to back him early uh, just because – but it's hard because they, a lot of times you can't get an all – uh, it's hard to like same game parlay some of the first quarter lines, but I mean, his first quarter game log is ridiculous. 18, 12, 19, 10, 17, 15, 12. Like it's, it's bonkers what he's doing in the first quarter. It's, it's been incredible. I will say, I think this Bulls team is a notable step up from, I mean, he, the, their, their schedule yes. lately has been wild. It's been like, yeah. I feel like they played da- Detroit and Charlotte like 10 times somehow. So this, the I think the Chicago team will keep it close enough and the Wizards keep it close enough that he'll play in the fourth. Yeah, he's been uh, he's been careful with when he's played too. Like oh, he doesn't yes. over the Celtics, <laughs> but he's been careful, and I don't blame him for that. Like they're they're trying to manage him. Um, I will say, by the way, right now there's a lot of ways to look at MVP, right? And we're not going to do an MVP segment on the show, but I will just kind of give this out because I was thinking about this last night on the drive home from the arena. If you ask me who I think is the MVP right now, it's Shea Gilgis Alexander. If you ask me who has the most value in the market right now for MVP. It's Shea Gildas Alexander. If you ask me who is most likely to win right now, the answer is Joel Embiid. Wow. And so, so that right now, that's what I think. Now, again, Joel may actually have to play someone at some point and that might change things. But um, <laughs> I think that they're doing very well for putting him to get putting. And uh, I always worry about, the, you know, whether he's going to get the, the minutes or not. I know we're running long, but this has been a really good segment. Uh, let's do Clippers minus two and a half first quarter. And then we'll close with my beauty of, of of a game. Yeah. So the spread here is is two and a half for the full game, actually. And so I'm I'm liking that. Um, but I do. I mean, Tyrese Halliburton, in my opinion, is you know one of the five most important players to the spread. In part, I'm not saying he's one of the five best players in the NBA, although he's not all that far right, off. To yeah. be honest, but. <laughs> I see Joe like yeah he is uh but in terms of impact on the spread he is definitely up there he's so central to their offense and he's you know he's just it's, he's a massive he drives the pacer so I want to see that for sure he's questionable right now he missed game over the weekend um I think regardless though I'm going to be looking at um the first quarter uh spread here for the Clippers the, the Pacers have started really slow this season in a lot of games they you know, they've had this outstanding season where they've surpassed expectations early on, but they have a negative net rating in the first quarter of the season. Uh, whereas the Clippers have been really good. They have the, the six best net rating in the first quarters are plus 7.6. Uh, that Pacers was negative 1.3. So there's a pretty big gap there. And uh, if you follow on the app, you'll notice this is the time of the season I'm starting to like those those quarter and half uh, derivative markets. These These are some that I think have a little bit more signal to them than the books are are willing to recognize at times. I think there are teams that because of the way rotations play out, uh, rotations is probably the the main thing, but they they will have certain quarters in which they are particularly strong or particularly weak. So if the book is splitting up, you know, a game by four and they kind of just split the spread up by four, they won't always do that. It's not going to be a perfect split. Usually, you know, a big a big spread is going to be tilted towards the first half, which makes sense. But I, I think there are edges to be found in those those quarter and half derivatives. And uh, this is this is a pairing of a team that's really bad in the first quarter and a team that's really good. Um, in addition to it, the fact that it's a team that I'm on for the the whole game, so I'll probably be looking at both of those. Um, yeah, I want I want to see what the number is when when Halliburton news is official. 
Um, but you could even look, you know, some books have, you know, Clippers to win the first quarter, Clippers to win the game. Um, that's probably one that, that I'll be looking at um, depending on the Halliburton news. I'm on the other side of you on this one, but I'm going to wait on the Halliburton news. I don't want any part of this. If it's Halliburton, I will probably just stay away because the number will, will probably inflate. I will say that the Pacers this season off of a loss are they have like they've lost two in a row so obviously like their most recent data point is they did not lose they did not win and they did not cover but they're seven and four straight up and seven and four ats uh after a loss this season um i also project this even though i am very high on the clippers and have like strongly advised you take a look at the division odds for the los angeles clippers because oh, if yeah. you look at that entire division yeah i think that they're the best team um overall in the, in that division However, um, going East Coast versus a team that pushes the pace so much, this is a team I think that actually can probably cause a little bit of disruption um, with them. And I've got this at a pick'em, so I think that this is actually like based off of even with them. The Pacers are three and four, so it's not a great spot on, from that perspective. But um, I'll, I'm I lean Pacers, but I obviously have to wait on the Halliburton news. My favorite bet of the night is uh, Jazz. Nets over 231 and a half. This is a three-point bomb fest. The Nets are one of the the best three-point. Like, I love the Nets' entire, entire thing. I lost the hook on them versus the Warriors the other night by oh, a half yeah. point. That was so painful. <laughs> but but they're still a great team to bet because their model is, we're going to switch everything, we're going to rebound the hell out of the ball, and we're going to bomb from three. And that's going to allow teams to always stay in it. But it also leans towards an over in spots like this versus a Jazz team, which is so bad defensively. The Jazz have picked up lately offensively without Jordan Clarkson. They're starting to find more. For whatever reason, Simone Fontecchio playing out of his mind. There's a name that you don't necessarily think you're going to hear on a betting podcast. Show me another NBA betting podcast that's going to mention Simone Fontecchio. Eurobasket days, baby. <laughs> um, the Jazz over in home games is eight and four. This tracks completely uh so for me this is an easy 231 and a half over model projects it way up in the 240s uh i like the over there now that's the my favorite bet but like <laughs> my favorite bet is this one <laughs> detroit pistons plus 400 the streak ends monday love it okay <laughs> the only thing the piston the only thing the pistons do moderately well moderately well is they're not absolutely terrible when we look at uh offensive rebounding they are 13th in that category opponents offensive rebound rate they are 11th in that category they control the glass they are also surprisingly 18th in opponent effective field goal percentage they actually do okay like that's not terrible that's outside of the bottom 10 an opponent offensive uh and, and defensive, rather, uh, for the Pistons, defensive effective field goal percentage. Atlanta, okay, is 27th in opponent offensive rebound rate. So the Pistons are going to get a bunch of offensive rebounds. The Hawks are third on their own, but they're without Clint Capella in this game. Overall, I will tell you that makes me nervous because Capella has been a negative this season. Don't love that. Capella is going to miss time with the knee bruise. Um, the only other thing here. If we, if we just kind of consider it, is that the Hawks are 30th, dead last, in opponent effective field goal percentage, okay? They are literally the team that the, the opponents shoot the, the, the best at. If the Pistons are ever going to win a fucking game, ever, I think it's got to be this one. <laughs> not the Spurs, not 
the Wizards, not the Hornets. I legitimately think it's got to be the Hawks. It's got to be a team that fucks up so badly. You're like, of course they lost to the Pistons. I'm looking at the and schedule. And there is no team more like that than the Atlanta Hawks. As Jim mentioned Jalen Johnson. His absence is absolutely massive. That makes a very big difference. I make this number under it. Now, I will, I will go ahead and say this. My numbers are never, ever going to be able to reflect how bad Detroit is. Like, I'm manually basically just, like, the down button. Just because my numbers are basically like, well, no team's that bad. That's, like, a function of how my numbers work. This happens year over year. The worst team in the league is always overvalued by my my system. Because it's like, well, I mean, there's a floor to how bad you can be. And certain NBA teams are like, is there, though? And the Pistons are absolutely that. But by God. We get plus 400. It's already down to plus 375 in the market. Like, I get four to one on the one. And if I win, I get to say that I was, I called the one goddamn win to break the streak. I'm on, I did bet this versus Pistons and got obliterated. They lost by 40. That was a number play. This one's much, much closer. I've got this one inside five points. I like Pistons plus 400. Jim, thoughts? I think you I I think that my favorite part of the cap is I think the Hawks might be the all-time yeah that totally checks out that they lost at home to the Pistons yeah. to break the is it 22 game now losing streak that all they are probably the Hall of Fame tier team to do that especially right now I yeah that's my favorite part of the cap and you know what a little plus 400 plus 375 I, I don't hate it I may join have a little fun I don't want to curse it though <laughs> Joe can I get a Groover? Look, I mean, the odds, implied odds, 20%. So, I mean, we just need to hit this <laughs> one out of every five times. And we're fine. So, I, you know, I think it's not crazy. And when you do look at their schedule coming up, it's like, yo, like you better win this one because it's looking bad for them. Uh, I, I don't hate it. I, I totally understand the cap. I, look, I don't think it's crazy as a dart throw here. I don't think it's crazy as a dart throw. It's like a motto of buckets. Y'all take your darts over here pretty seriously, huh? I don't think it's crazy as a dart throw. Uh, Jim's on Clippers minus two and a half first quarter. If Hallie is, or regardless, and if Hallie is out, you're going to add. That's right. Uh, the two and a half is the spread. There's no first quarter spread out. It'll be, okay. I think it will probably be like minus one, maybe minus one and a half. So you, you can probably even, uh, two and a half would be a little long, but first quarter in general, the, the line's not out yet. Okay, gotcha. And he, uh, Jim likes Houston plus five and a half back-to-back uh, as well. J- uh, Joe's on Timberwolves minus one versus the Miami Heat and Chet over two and a half blocks. I have a smorgasbord for you. Sixers minus ten and a half over 229 full Sixers. Lakers minus four and a half because LA Nightlife is undefeated. Over 231 and a half Jazz Nets. That's my favorite bet on the board. OKC minus nine and a half versus Memphis and Detroit Pistons money line plus 400. Buckets is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, now let's talk about Defensive Player of the Year. Rudy Gobert is the favorite at minus 115. Anthony Davis is second at plus 275. Brooke Lopez, who leads the league in blocks, is plus 2,000. And then Chet Holmgren is also 
plus 2000 at 20 to one as a rookie. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. is 25 to one. Giannis Antetokounmpo, 25 to one. Joel Embiid, 25 to one. Bam Adebayo, who will never be respected enough, is 30 to one. Uh, on down, and then uh, OG Anobi and Victor and Drew Holiday are thirty to one, along with Victor Weminyama and Herb Jones. Um, so you kind of teased this earlier, Jim. I will give you the floor with your thoughts on Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, so this is this is a really interesting market. I think this is um, you know these ones where you know we're barely a quarter of the way into the season, and there's a prohibitive favorite are always really interesting to poke around with because there is so much season left to play. Uh, I do think that the market is correct that Gobert should be the heavy favorite right now. Um, you, I mean, you look at that, that defense overall, they're, they're pretty hands down the best defense in the league. He, you know, we, we talk about what matters in the, for this, this voting, right? It's previous bona fides, big check for him, big man check team defense, big check for him. 65 games played, that's why these are fun to talk about at the at the you know quarter of the way through the season because no one is guaranteed sixty five games at this point. Anyone could go out and and miss a couple of weeks or even longer. So uh, he certainly checks those first three, but I I think there's a couple of names we got to to talk through. Um, I know you know there's there's two rookies the, the two leading guys for rookie of the year who are putting together what are well you. If they had the bona fides, I would say they need to be in this. But for me, that is such a key part of this. You really do. The voters need to see you in that before. Unless, like, I would say if the Thunder or or the Spurs had, like, the number one defense in the league, and in the Spurs case, you know, had, had more wins to their resume, I think it could start to be one of those cases where it's like, you know, historically we have never seen this before. But there's something here. But the Thunder are more like the seventh best defense. Um, so I, I, those guys, I think this is the year that both of those guys finish, you know, in the top ten, uh, maybe even top five. But I don't see either of those guys winning it. And and even to the degree, to the degree that I don't want to bet them at the numbers they are at right now. Um, there are a couple of guys whose numbers I do think are interesting though. Um, Jalen Suggs is a guy that I know Matt, you and I have talked through before. He's at 100 to 1. He doesn't check almost any of these boxes. He has no previous bona fides. He's not a big man. Uh, you know, he's young. We don't know as much about his health, but he is such a awesome dominant defensive player and the Magic are having such a, you know, fun breakout season that at that 100 to 1, I can't recommend it this second, but I I want to keep an eye on it. Um, and I might just out of my pure love of Jalen Suggs and the thought that he might sneak into a top five or like at least a discussion I might take a hit at but my absolute favorite one you guys are going to hate this so much it's the name that I was at the last time we talked about this Joel Embiid 25 to 1 so he has never been first team all defense yes but he is a runner-up in the defensive player of the year which is very key he's got a fourth a seventh and ninth it's just that that center position is always stacked uh and here's the thing he I am maintaining he is not going to win an MVP this year I just do not see a world in which after last year, when my entire argument, I know there were other arguments being made, but my entire argument, and I think for some voters, it was a, a key factor was, I want to see, I can't give Jokic three MVPs without seeing in the postseason. I know that annoys the hell out of some people, but it was, you know, part of part of the narrative. I don't think you can give Embiid a second straight MVP when he hasn't even made it to the, the conference final. So I, to me, this is kind of the award where if we get to the end of the season, Philly right now has the sixth best defense um, per dunks and threes. He's having 
you know, one of those great seasons. Again, this could be the way to reward him in a way that is not an MVP. Uh, I don't think it's, you know, supremely likely, but I think at 25 to one, this is the name that this catching my checks off the bona fides to an extent. He's a big man. The team defense has been very strong. Um, and it looks, he, you know, he looks as good as ever right now. So the health is always a little bit of worry with Embiid. It also is with some of the other guys. AD is the second favorite right now and, you know, has as many health question marks as, as anyone in the market. So I don't think I'm going to win you guys over on this. I know that. But the, the guy I like uh, the most right now for, for this bet is Embiid at 25 to 1. The Gobert cap is basically the Wolves are number one and he's the most identifiable yeah. name because of the prior wins. Yeah. I am hoping that there is enough of a conversation about what makes the Wolves good defensively um, that he won't win. Otherwise, like I'm, I've I've been debating about whether I got I got to start building a, a Gobert position. Like I thought about it a lot about like, okay, I have enough exposure on certain guys. I probably need to start getting like my Gobert position at least before this winds up getting to one fifty minus one seventy five, right? Because um, it does look like the—I mean, the Wolves. It's going to take such a massive drop off of the Wolves not to be the number one defense. Um, they are averaging a point lower than the number two team. In I Boston. really think it comes yeah. down to for him if he can stay healthy through sixty-five games. Because I don't see that team defense dropping off like you said, and he has all the bona fides. I really do right. think it's like a, a race to sixty-five games for him. I mean, I could see honestly the conversation becoming like, is Rudy as effective this year as he has been? Because there's a lot of there have been multiple yeah. signals that maybe he's not. And I think that there will be like a conversation of like, is it really Rudy or is it Ant and Jaden? Because like Ant's DPM is is excellent. And if you talk to Wolves fans, like Wolves fans will tell you that Anthony Edwards is like a is like an elite defender, and yeah. Jaden McDaniel's is there too. And so if you have two elite defenders, it becomes like, well, how do you kind of parse this? The Celtics are interesting in that there doesn't necessarily seem to be a candidate even with Drew. It's just like they're yeah. all so good. Like what, yeah. you can't like pinpoint anybody. Um, this is where like the the very traditional blocks and stats and rebounds is like matters a lot. Um, which is why to be totally honest, um, they look, they're only seventh in defense right now, but I think that they will continue to, or eighth actually, um, they'll continue to improve. I've, I've bet a lot of Anthony Davis lately and I am captain of the can't, he can't stay healthy and he's over like anyone who follows me on Twitter knows like, I think AD is incredibly overrated. He's overrated based off of the conversation that we talk about him with. Like we talk about AD is like one of the truly most impactful players in the league. And he's not, he's a really good Robin. He's a really good second player. But what he is, is he is extremely respected by everyone defensively. And the notion, the idea of AD, even if I think it's a little bit beyond the reality, I think puts value on him to win this. And he mentioned like the injury stuff. He is, to my opinion, like, I don't know what he's going to have left at the end of the year. But to me, like, he had that groin thing. That would have been two weeks a year ago, two years ago. He would have been like, nope, shutting him down, not going to play. He is trying to play through injury to disprove a narrative. And maybe that winds up costing him where he gets more hurt and then suffers a major injury. And we, you know, that one's just dead. I also think he's just really going to try and scrap through it. Like, I think he's trying to prove something to people. He shouldn't. Like, get yourself healthy for the playoffs, my man. But. I, I actually think there's value on Anthony Davis, and I've built a pretty big position on that. Um, Joe, what are your thoughts on the names that we've listed here and anybody else that you think there's value on? I'm like, honestly, like I'm willing to look at an award sometimes and just be like, I'm not necessarily going to bet it. Like, because I just don't, yeah. I don't love the Rudy spot based on some of the things that you guys have both already said in terms of McDaniels and Ant. And then Anthony, uh, Anthony Davis, I'm always concerned about an injury. One player that I am 
a little interested in, to be honest, is I'm interested in Jaron Jaron Jackson Jr. at 25 to one, specifically because they have the 11th best adjusted defense right now. Jaws coming back on Tuesday, presumably, right? The only reason that I think that is, I think that with Jaw, Jaw was actually like a little bit of a positive defensively in terms of like what the numbers said last year. Um, but part of why I think that is like the offense was so bad that I think it was giving up a lot of transition opportunities. I think it's giving up a lot of like easier baskets for opponents, right? If like Jaron does have the pedigree, I, I am a little concerned based on the record um, being six and 18. And like, obviously, you know, but I think when we look under the hood, the defense has been fine. Like the defense is okay. Um, and I think that maybe with, job back if they kind of like it i think it's just like a morale thing you know it's like if they can kind of get their get their stuff together and kind of get it together moving forward through the rest of the season maybe he's a guy at this point i know how good he is i know that he can win it because he has won it um and at 25 to 1 i think that looking at it I think that there's a path for them to get better and then maybe have more eyes. They obviously have the nationally televised games. I think that all kind of matters. And if they can finish the season strong, I wouldn't be upset sitting on a 25 to one ticket with Jaron Jackson Jr.'s name on it towards the end of the season. Uh, he, you know, he's been relatively healthy. Um, I, I don't hate it just because I don't see Brooke. Like I know the counting stats are there, but their defense overall just, I don't think is that good. Um, uh, it's it's tough for me to it's tough for me there. So I think if I was gonna look at somebody, I think Jaron's somebody that's very good, has the pedigree, has won the award. Twenty five to one seems a little little far for me. Uh, I looked at rebounds per game plus plus stocks per game, steals and blocks. Davis leads at sixteen point five. Second is Victor. The thing with Victor and Chet is just basically like, do you believe that they will give a rookie defensive player of the year? Um, with Victor in particular, it's like, are you going to reward a very terrible defense? They've been better since they moved him to the five. I just don't know if they're going to get to like, can the Spurs get to a top five defense? Can they climb that much ground? Because, you know, currently uh, they are 23rd and making that kind of a leap yeah. over even over the, the final two thirds of the season is very tough. And so I don't I don't think they can get there. Um, and I think the voters will be like, look, I think with Chet, like this is the kind of thing, Jim, is I think with Chet, they're going to be like, well, yeah, like Chet's going to win like four of them, but I'm not going to give it to him in his rookie yeah, season. Very much agreed. Um, yeah. Also, by the way, he's not going to win it, but I just want to kind of mention this. Shea Gildas Alexander uh, leads the league in steals by 20 steals and has That's played fewer minutes than the person in second. <laughs> yeah. It's insane. Ridiculous. Again, um, like Jim's conversation about Joel Embiid and defensive player of the year. I just really need to stress this. Shea Gildas Alexander is like 1.75 <laughs> times the defender that Joel Embiid is. We Embiid need to is a reframe. good defender. We need to get these these short kings into the convo with Shea and, and Suggs. I know. It, we got to reframe the, the way the awards looked at. I know I that there are people out there that refuse to they don't they don't love point of attack defense. They're all about the the rim protection. But I know it those sucks guys because I'm just like guys like running over screens and containing ball screens is the hardest thing and the it's most exhausting. important thing in the NBA. What can no one? Why is scoring through the roof right now? No one can defend point of attack. Yeah, no one. So the guys that are good at it are more valuable and better. It is like the MB thing is so frustrating to me because I'm like, it's not that Joel's bad. Okay. He's good. It's just like, take four steps back, be big. Congratulations. <laughs> you're an elite defender in the NBA. And to clarify, my tap is on him. It's to win the, again, we always talk about, is this what we would vote for or how we see yeah. the voting going yeah. out? Cause I'm, I, I'm, with well, I, I do think it's very undervalued point of attack defense, but I also I think like, it. honestly, 
I think one the the because we, you have to talk about it, that's part of your cap of the MVP stuff as as they like. Well, he can't win MVP, so we'll give him this. I do think one we're we're reaching the point where people are starting to forget what that conversation was like in March, and then oh, what man. it looked like in in May when he got fucking housed by Jason Tatum in Game <laughs> Seven and was a goddamn disaster again. Like people are already starting to forget. Plus, there's the well, yeah, I know, but he's been so much better this year. He's passing. Like, he's actually, you know, making other people better. He wasn't making people better when you gave him the fucking MVP the first time. Anyway, uh, let's uh, let's talk most improved player real quick, and, and we'll get out of here. Um, this market, look, it, it seems... I was about this last night of just, like, did we... Have we wrapped this up too soon on Maxi? Like, is it just done? Because, like, you do have Alperin Shangoon with the success that the Rockets have had. You do have Scotty Barnes. Um, my, I I bet on Halliburton at a long number, and he's now eight to one at BetMGM. Kobe White at sixteen to one is making a real push here, but I think that's probably short term, and the Bulls are going to fade. Um, Joe, do you have thoughts on most improved player, or is it just no? It's still Maxi. You should still bet this at anything below two hundred, or you should not enter this market at all. I mean, honestly, like I I don't think I would really want to enter it now. Uh, I do think that. If Halliburton is going to be in this conversation, he's going to win. But like, I don't. I thought he was too good to be in this conversation, um, and like, I felt he should have won last year. But if he's going to be involved, which apparently the way the market is saying, like maybe he is, like he's going to win. Like he's he's flat out better. Like he's an MVP candidate. I think he's closer to an MVP candidate than a most improved candidate. Um, like you know, maybe he gets a vote or two for MVP. I don't think he necessarily wins, but like. Maxi is not in that conversation. Halliburton is in that conversation. Right. So I think that if if that's what it if if he's going to be suddenly talked about as most improved when I thought he should have won last year, like yeah, like <laughs> it, it, like he's going to win. I think like he's that good. Um, if they're going to say like, well, he went from very good All Star to MVP caliber, and that's yeah. the most improved, then like sign me up. So I think at eight to one, like he's the one guy I think out of the rest of the field that I would be interested in um, outside of Maxi. And I think if you have a nice Maxi ticket at 14 to one or like 16 to one that you grabbed over the summer when we were betting it, then I don't hate supplementing that with an eight to one Halliburton. Uh, yeah, I so th- that was actually my exact th- thought process, because this is exactly what they did when they gave it to Ja was Ja made the leap from franchise player to oh my god jaw's like an mvp candidate and like jaw was never gonna win that that mvp but he was on the ballot and i was just asked there's an MVP. <laughs> get ready for this folks there's an mvp straw poll coming out next week <laughs> um and i'll go ahead and, and tell you what i was i was asked by uh my colleague and friend tim bontemps to contribute because he respects my views on mvp um uh, my list was shea gillis alexander one joel mb two Nikola Jokic, three. Giannis Antetokounmpo, four. And Luka was at five, only because at this particular moment, we're at like a Halley dip, right? Like they've lost two in a row. A little bit like he's been banged up. Luka's doing insane things because Kyrie's out, so his usage is is through the roof. Um, So I have Luka, like, I think Tyrese being the engine of such a good offense matters, but... I will go ahead and give Luca the respect that he dictates given the team success that the Mavericks have had. Um, but I do think like there's a chance that if one of those guys knocks out, like if one of those guys doesn't, doesn't make 65 games, Halliburton could like Halliburton could wind up fifth. And that to me puts him in line for uh, most improved player. Um, I did get him 
<laughs> we've talked about him for most improved and um all these types of things. I did get him at uh <laughs> I got him at a hundred to one a while back. Uh yeah, I have some obscene in number the, two. <laughs> in the in the in the summer. So let's let's wait for that beautiful CLV to not come through for us. Jim, what are your thoughts on most improved player and where do you think the value is now? Yeah, I think Joe said it really well when when talking through defensive player of the year. What one of like the biggest, you know, there, there are so many edges that go to the sports books over the sports betters, but one of the biggest edges you have over the sports book is they have to put out lines. You do not have to bet the lines. And I think this is a market <laughs> right now that's pretty sharp. Um, if you, if now, if you have a maxi position, um, I actually do think that because the market is like th- this market right now is pretty sharp. Uh, I got in on Barnes a little while ago. I think Shingun and Halley are both decent, like minor hedges. Some people don't even like to hedge if they're like, you know, I'm I'm sitting good with with Maxi. I, I'll, yep. I'll probably put a very small amount just to be like, you know, what? I'm not walking out of here empty handed. I I really like this position that Maxi put me in over the summer. But if I'm a better who has nothing in this market, th- there is no reason to enter this market right now. I think it is pretty well established at least at this second in the season. There is a lot of season left. There is a lot of narratives to still come and go. Um, I think the Colby White one was really fun. That was one that, you know, you know, burst. He was like 65 to one about a week ago. He's 16 to one now. I'm going to be eating that CLV for dinner tonight. It's going to be, it's going to taste so good. Um, but that, those are, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, those are the kind of, of guys who like kind of come and go during the season. And, you know, in the end of the season, maybe they're a valuable piece. They might be a top three or four. If you grab one, if you grab like three or four of them and one of them pops into a top three or four play, they are incredibly valuable. But if you've bet these long enough, you know that these they're kind of like meteors across the sky. You'll, that they, they aren't going to really stick. They're going to have some crazy CLV uh, for a couple weeks, and then most of them fade off. A few of them stick, and those are the ones that have value. But uh, Colby White, he, in, for this award, you really need to kind of get into the all-star conversation. He's playing great. He's not going to be on the all-star team this season. Uh, to me, he is, you know, at this point at 16-1, there's definitely no value there. Um, so yeah, I, I would, I, if I would sit this one out if you don't have anything and then, you know, head your maxi as you like, if you, if you joined us in the summer. I think, um, for me, a lot of it is who do you think is going to make the playoffs, right? Like if you think Houston is going to make the playoffs, you should look at it. You should look at, you can, then you, I think hedging with Shangun is worth it. If you don't keep maxi, just keep maxi. Um, for me, if I saw any signs of life from Toronto, I would be in on Barnes because if you actually asked me who I thought was the most improved player this season. I'd actually say it was Barnes. Um, I think Barnes has made such a huge level up. Um, and part of that's because that's also like confirmation bias, or I don't know if it's confirmation bias, but um, it's a bias on my part because uh, I didn't think he was very good. Like, I thought <laughs> he was good. But I, thought he, I thought he was like, yeah, he's good. And now I'm like, holy shit, Barnes does yeah, everything. Really he's so good. Um, so his level up has been really impressive to me. But um, I do think on the second to last show of the year, last show of the, of the regular season, we have to preview. We'll get we'll be doing in season tournament or play in tournament rather um, and playoff stuff. But the second to last one, we should have ourselves a little CLV feast. And we're all going to bring <laughs> in all of the bets that we made that look that made us look so smart that aren't going to win that we had a number go from 100 to one to six to one. And we're still not going to win the win a thing on it. We'll have a nice CLV feast. And um, I'll get Brandon for that one, too, because uh, no, nobody likes a CLV. Nobody makes a CLV buffalo dip like Brandon Anderson. Um, oh, programming note, by the way. So normal scheduled this week through uh, 
this week because of the holiday. We'll talk about holiday schedule later. But I will tell you that on Friday, alongside our Best Bets episode for Friday, we are doing a special Christmas episode. We're going to have the entire Buckets gang giving Best Bets episode. I have to herd all (laughs) of our Buckets contributors. All of them. I'm putting all of them on one call, and we're going to get them all in here, and we're going to do a big... Uh, best bets episode we'll uh, we'll have that for you later this week you can follow joe delara and jim turvey on twitter and in the action network app to track their plays my thanks to david painter producer hutton jackson and the crew for putting this up on youtube.com slash the action network we'll see you again tomorrow with best bets for the tuesday slate have yourselves a great week everyone until we talk to you again let's get buckets Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.